You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Uh, we're going to pick up in, uh, in our study through the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're going to look at the first few verses here. As we read this and as we go through these verses tonight, I uh, just want to remind you that this letter is a, written, is a letter written to the church of Corinth by Paul. Um, and when Paul wrote this, he didn't write chapter 1 and then wrote some words, chapter 2 wrote some words. He wrote it as one big, uh, long letter. And so as we read this, uh, this story really started in uh, chapter 11, and Paul is continuing here. And just like last week, we looked at um, a lot of the sufferings that Paul had went through, whether it be thirst and hunger or whether it be a little bit more extreme uh, with uh, beatings uh, and stonings. Um, Paul continues uh, through this thought process here uh, in verse number 1 of chapter 12. And uh, we'll take a look at this. Verse 1 says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And so Paul here is saying, you know, I've just talked about my suffering uh, for God. I've talked about all these times that I've gone through hardship and difficulties but now I'm coming to you with a vision and revelation from God. Uh, he says in verse 2, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter, of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. As we go through the message tonight, the content of this passage is pretty, pretty deep. It's pretty heavy here. And it's important to understand the content of the Bible, but it's just as important to understand the context. And so as we look through this, it's important to remember the context of this passage that Paul is giving us kind of an outline or a resume, if you will, of his life, of his ministry. He started with sufferings and um, some, some uh, weaknesses and infirmities in chapter 11. And the passage that we just read, he talks about a vision and a revelation from God. Um, and it's important to understand the context here. If I were to tell you that three to four years ago, I was almost charged with vandalism, you would probably be at shock. You'd say, how would you be charged with vandalism? Um, no, it wasn't with the spray can. But I will give you the context of the passage to help. My dad's laughing in the back because he knows where this is going. Um, we were cleaning up the church. Uh, I forget what time of the year it was, but we were cleaning the church and, and painting and preparing and, and fixing things and stuff like that. And uh, he said, you know what? I want you to repaint the fire lane out front. The fire lane had been scuffed up by everyone that drove by, and it was cracking, and, you know, you could barely see the red. It was almost black-purple, um, and it was really, really ugly. And so he said, I want you to get some, some nice red, bright paint. I want you to paint the fire lane, and uh, we'll get that pretty. We'll clean out some of the weeds out front, and uh, we're going to make our block look nice. You know, this is our community. This is our block. This is where we are as a church, and we want to make sure we look good for Jesus. But okay, so I went to Lowe's, picked up some paint and a roller and tape and stuff like that. Went out there, taped off the curb, make sure that I wouldn't get anything on the sidewalk and stuff like that. And I'm rolling the paint on the fire lane. And uh, I'm out there for, for a little bit, and I see one of the parking uh, attendants pull up uh, in his little wagon. And he pulls off to the side, and he gets on his phone, and 
he's he's calling and and stuff and i was like oh, okay cool this guy you know he's being safe he's uh, pulled off to the side, not talking while he's driving or anything like that. He's obeying traffic laws, um, unlike some people. Um, anyways, um, and so uh, he's on his phone, and, and I'm like, okay, cool. And so then I, I don't think about him. I continue painting, and, I, and I'm, I'm getting close to the end, making sure that I'm touching up some of the areas that I missed and, and some areas I didn't see before. And um, then I see his phone is pointed at me, and I'm thinking, is this guy taking a picture of me? What's going on? I was really, really confused, but I thought, you know what, it's hot, and I just want to get this job done. I'm almost done. I just got to finish. And so it was right out here in this street, and it's two ways, and so there's the lane that goes this way, and there's the lane that goes that way, and my back is facing this direction, and I'm painting, and I'm painting, and I hear a tire squeal, and a car pulls up behind me, and a door shuts, and I turn around, and this huge police officer steps out of his car. And I'm like, oh, no, what happened, you know? Like, is the parking attendant need help? Like, what's going on, you know? And so I, like, smile and was like, hey, good morning. And he's like, what do you think you're doing? And then I realize, oh, he's coming for me. You can't be painting the sidewalk. This is not your property. Who told you you can do this and all this stuff? And I'm thinking in the back of my head, great, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to go to jail. This is, like, the end of my life. Oh, my word, my heart starts pounding and pounding, and I start freaking out. And I, the only thing I come up with is, my dad told me to. <laughs> he didn't really understand where I was getting at with that. But, but slowly, we, we kind of both calmed down. And I explained to him, I said, you know what, look, I'm sorry. I said, I don't, I was just told to paint it to make it look nice. We're just trying to make our block look pretty. And, uh, you know, keep some, uh, do some upkeep to our community. And he said, you know, there's ways to do this because it's not your property. It's the property of the city and county of Honolulu. If you paint your, your fire lane, they're going to want to paint their fire lane. And then the building down the street's going to want to start painting. And it's just a huge mess. And so we're trying to eliminate that. Uh, and I got super, super scared at that point. Um, the police officer said, you know, what? it probably wasn't good, but it looks good. Okay. So I said, thanks for the encouragement. And so uh, he told me, you know, we're not going to charge you, but you could be arrested and charged with vandalism. I thought to myself, that would not have been a good thing. Now, luckily, I had finished painting by the time they came, so I just peeled the tape off, and it was all good. But having told you I was almost charged with vandalism, you were kind of in shock, like, wow, what, like, what did he do, you know? Uh, the context of that story really kind of provided some insight and some information. Same thing with this passage here. Paul tells us really an amazing experience he had of how he was caught up in the third heaven into paradise, he was brought before God with this vision and revelation, and he experienced something really supernatural. Uh, and the context of this passage is not to bring Paul glory or to bring himself glory uh, and, and praise, but rather to use this to glorify God. So notice with me, if you would, first of all, Paul's attitude towards God's revelation. We see Paul's attitude as an attitude of humility. We see it, first of all, in his writing. Notice verse number two. I knew a man in Christ. In verse number three, he says something similar. He says, and I knew such a man. Paul doesn't refer to himself in the first person, but rather the third person here. In his writing, Paul doesn't want to associate his name with this, uh, not because he wants to be distant from it, but because he's not trying to bring self-praise or self-glorification. Paul is rather writing here in the third person to project uh, the glory to God. So not only in his writing do we see his humility, but we also see it in verse number two in his waiting. He says in verse two, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. 
You see, this experience that Paul had happened 14 years ago. It took Paul 14 years to record or really to tell somebody of this experience that he had witnessed and that he had been a part of. Usually for us, the first thing that we do when we see something happen is pull out our cell phones and take videos and take pictures and stuff like that. But Paul here realized the significance of this matter, and he realized that it wasn't to glorify him. And the reason why he had held on really to this um, testimony was because he didn't want to get praise for it. Paul wasn't the kind of guy that said, hey, look at me and look what I've done. Uh, Paul was all about giving God the glory and making sure uh, that he deserved praise uh, unto God. And so we see through his writing, through his waiting, uh, Paul's attitude of humility here. Paul was reluctant to share this experience, and, but rather used it when he did share it to shed the focus off himself and to put it on God. You see, all throughout chapter 11, if you go back and read, it's all about what God has done in his life. And the fact that he was beaten and he was scorned and he was mocked and he was cursed at, but yet he did it for the glory of God. And it was God really that allowed him to persevere through all of that suffering and all of that persecution. And Paul here is, is giving God the praise for that. Just a moment ago, we gave a time of praise. And people shared praises in their lives and things that happened, whether it was this week uh, or, uh, or maybe earlier uh, in the year. But we gave praises not to praise ourselves and not to say, hey, look, this is something that I did or something that I was a part of, but rather to praise God, to say, you know what, this happened the other day because God allowed it to happen. You know, this, this family was a blessing to me because God put them in my life. And it's not ever for self-gratification or for self-praise, but it's always for the praise of God, and he is worthy of our praise. So we see Paul's attitude of humility here. Notice secondly, though, if you would, Paul's acknowledgement of God's omniscience. Omniscience is a big word, translates to all-knowing. And so we know that God is all-knowing. Look at the end of verse number 2. Paul says, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. And such an one caught up to the third heaven. And we'll stop here real quick. The third heaven is in reference to the heaven that we would associate in the Bible. Um, it's often referred to as the third heaven because the first heaven would be our atmosphere, uh, where you would find the birds uh, and the planes, uh, but no Superman, unfortunately. Uh, but you have the first heaven, which is our atmosphere. Outside of our atmosphere would be the starry heaven or space, uh, where the planets are and the sun and the solar system and all the other stars and stuff like that. And this third heaven would be identified as God's dwelling place. This would be the heaven that we would associate as we read through the Bible. It talks about heaven, talks about paradise, talks about uh, going home with the Lord uh, and so forth there. And so that's what the third heaven is in reference to. Verse number three, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. So we see in verse 2 and in verse 3 that Paul kind of repeats the same thing here. He says, whether this was an experience in body and I had a dream and a vision, or whether this was an out-of-body experience and the fact that my spirit was separated from my physical body, I don't know which one it was, but God knows. You see, we won't always be sure of our circumstances. We go through life and we're not always confident in the decisions that we make because we can't tell the future. Uh, if you're like me, I'm still trying to find out where I'm going, you know, and it's been a process for my life. Like Pastor said, from, from a young age, from a teenager, I've been called to preach, but at that point in my life, that's all I had. And slowly and surely along the way, God directed my path and God showed me, hey, you know, I want you to assume some sort of pastoral. And then from there, moving to Hawaii, working at the church here, um, graduating from Bible college, I felt God's calling in my life, okay, I want you to start a church here in Hawaii. 
Now, as far as where in Hawaii, I'm not sure yet because I'm not sure. I'm not omnipresent or omniscient. I don't know all, but I know God does. And so we won't always be sure. We won't always be right, but we can always rely on God to be sure because God is omniscient. And Paul says that here twice. He says, God knoweth. You know, it doesn't matter if it was in-body or an out-of-body experience. It doesn't matter how this vision or revelation happened because I know that God knows. I know that God is in control. And really, this is where faith in God comes in uh, to play, is, is knowing that sometimes we're not always going to get the full picture. We're not always going to have, you know, every piece to the puzzle. Uh, we'll, we might miss uh, a few things here and there, but God knows. God is always going to be right. God is always going to be sure for us. And we see Paul's acknowledgement there of God's omniscience. Thirdly and finally, though, we see tonight Paul's authentication of God's word. Verse number four. How that he was caught up into paradise. Paradise. That's heaven. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 23. We see this word paradise used here in this passage by Jesus himself. Luke chapter 23. This is a story of Jesus being crucified on the cross. He's hanging between the two thieves, or the word used here in this passage would be the malefactors. Verse 39 of Luke chapter 23. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. So you have Jesus here. You have one man on the right. You know, if, if you're really who you say you are, Jesus, then save us. Save us, save yourself, and do what you said that you could do. We see the second man here in verse 40. The other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we do, or we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. We see the second man, he says, Look, we're here because we landed ourselves here. We committed crimes. We, this is our punishment. This is our, he says here, this is, due, this is the reward of our deeds. This is what we're receiving. But this man, this Jesus, he's done nothing to receive this. In verse 42, he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And we see his faith there being placed into Jesus. 43, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we see God's promise of paradise there. Jesus himself promising this man that, Hey, you've put your faith in me. You've, you've, you've gone ahead and believed in me. With me, you'll be in paradise today. When we put our faith into Christ, we have the promise of paradise. The promise of paradise is a good promise, a wonderful promise. But if you don't have paradise, there's something that's far, far worse, and that's hell. It's either heaven or hell. You have the promise of paradise or you have no promise at all. Uh, the Bible talks about falling short in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Um, just telling you about my near uh, arrest and vandalism, I've definitely fallen short. You know, uh, I, I have sinned and I am a sinner. Uh, we can see that in God's word or you can ask your spouse or your family members. You know, we're, we fall short. We are sinners. And God's word says that for the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Our deeds or our rewards for our deeds, just as, just as the man on the cross said, was crucifixion for them. Our reward for our deeds is hell. Everlasting banishment from God in a place called hell. But that 
doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift, that sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. When he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, that was a promise. And for those of us who put our faith into Christ, for those of us who have done that, we have that promise. If you haven't done that, I encourage you, make that the promise of your life. Accept that promise. Accept that free gift of salvation. Because we can trust in God to keep his promise of this paradise here. Not only do we see a promise of paradise, we see a promise of protection. In Matthew 28, when Jesus gave us the Great Commission or to the apostles, he said to go, win, teach, and baptize. But at the end of that, he said, for lo, I am with you in all the world. His protection was with us. God is always with us. We have his Holy Spirit. This vision that Paul received here, it's supposed to be believed that this vision was given to him to help him through the trials. And if you refer back to chapter number 11, you can see a long, long list of some of the things that he endured, uh, whether it was beating with rods, a shipwreck, uh, being in perils of robbers, being in hunger and thirst, uh, weariness, painfulness, and the list goes on and on there. But all throughout that list, all throughout those times of Paul's life where he endured affliction, where he endured trials and suffering, God was with him. And this vision that Paul speaks of happened 14 years ago. And he says, I've, I've held on to this for 14 years, but now I'm sharing it. And I can imagine that Paul going through a beating or going through a suffering, remembering that this vision that God gave him and seeing heaven and seeing God there, it could have been used as an incentive, if you will. And going to paradise was Paul's incentive uh, to press forward, to remain faithful. Uh, we see kind of an account here in 2 Timothy 4, Paul writes to Timothy, a young man in the faith and a pastor. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And this time uh, in Paul's life, he was more than likely on house arrest or in a jail. Uh, Paul had gone from jail to house arrest to jail to house arrest to being literally shackled uh, to a Roman centurion for many years just for preaching Christ. And so Paul here is seeing the end of the line. Paul is saying to Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul came to the end of his life, and he realized, you know what, I'm, I'm almost at the finish line, but I've kept the faith. I'm almost done with my life, but I've been faithful. I fought a good fight, and I've done what I could. And I, I can imagine Paul sitting there writing that letter to Timothy, thinking about that and reflecting on this revelation of, you know what, when I die, I get to praise God. I get to go to heaven, and I get to live with Jesus forever and ever. And he had that revelation. He had that, that uh, that incentive and that motivation to get him day in and day out and knowing that paradise would be there for him at the end. We see God's promise of protection there. You see signs and wonders and miracles and so forth and those things that we see in the Bible um, were used to point people to salvation. Uh, a lot of those were to uh, point Jews and non-believing Jews uh, really to salvation to show that hey it's not just jesus teaching but here's a miracle associated with it you know it's not just words that we're trying to say to you in a life that some guy lived but rather to affirm that there was a sign or a wonder or a miracle that happened but as we know paul here was already saved and so for paul this is really an incentive to show paul that hey god is with you god will always be with you it was a promise of protection for paul not only that, though, but we also see God's promise of preservation. Verse number, verse number four here. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, obviously, we don't know what Paul heard 
because he says that it's not lawful for him to utter. These words were unspeakable. Uh, some theologians believe that, that when Paul writes that they were unspeakable words, that this language that he heard was that of a heavenly or an angelic language. And the fact that Paul wouldn't have been able to communicate what he heard into uh, human words uh, because um, of the emotions uh, and, and what was being spoken there and that it was unspeakable. It wouldn't have been able to be communicated for us to understand. Um, there's other theologians that would say that uh, the words that Paul heard that he did understand, but rather it wasn't appropriate for him to share those. Um, sometimes people tell you things in confidence. It would be like that. Uh, God uh, showing this revelation or uh, showing Paul this revelation here and, and God really telling Paul, hey, you know what? This is in confidence. Um, this is not to be uttered. It would be unlawful for a man to utter. Uh, Paul heard these words spoken uh, when he had this vision. These words would have been unlawful for Paul to speak. You see, God did not allow Paul to record or share the things that he heard specifically, but Paul was able to share the experience that he had there. Uh, be wary, though, of those who have visions, those who have revelations and wish to share it. Uh, the Bible is very clear uh, on uh, new revelation or no addition to God's word. Uh, the revelation that we have of God is from Genesis to the book of Revelation. God's word is perfect, God's word is holy, uh, and God's word will stand. Uh, in Psalms 12, we see uh, that the psalmist writes there that God's words are pure, and they're purified like silver in a furnace. Seven times they're purified, and God's words will stand for generations forever and ever. And we see the preservation of God's word here, and the fact that there is nothing new to add uh, or even to take away, and God has promised to preserve his word. Uh, Paul's obedience here validates God's word and the fact that he didn't come out, oh, look, I have this extra revelation of God. I have, I have this new vision of God. And we have to be mindful and wary of people that are like that. Uh, but Paul says here, rather, you know, I had this vision, I have this revelation, but it's not expedient for me to doubtless to glory. It doesn't benefit me whatsoever. You know, I know that this might be a situation in which I've received some sort of blessing uh, or favor from God, but it's not about me. It's about God. Uh, Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.19. Turn over there if you would. We'll, uh, we'll look at this passage. 2 Peter 1.19. This is the same Peter that uh, spent uh, his, uh, his years with uh, Jesus, traveling and preaching and seeing miracles uh, done. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Peter writes here in verse 19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Peter is saying here that we have God's word, a more sure word of prophecy. But if you look up in verse 18, remember the content is important, but it's all about the context. Verse 18, or sorry, verse 17, Peter says, For he received from God the Father, honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount peter here is saying that we heard god's voice audibly in verse 19 he says but we have a more sure word you know i peter i heard god's word audibly but the bible is a more sure word of prophecy i can hold on to it it's tangible uh, in printed form yes but um, I have God's word to dwell on, to rely on. 
It's a more sure word of prophecy. And he really emphasizes the point there that we can rely and we can trust in God's word. Uh, And Paul here also authenticates that by making sure that what God had shown him and what God had revealed to him that he used just for God's glory, not to glorify himself or to bring praise to himself. Uh, Look at verse number 5 of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Go back over there. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 5. Paul ends with this, Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Paul says, This experience that I had in my life, I could glory, I could boast. Anybody could boast. Anybody could glory in something that would be so miraculous and so magnificent uh, of an event in their life, but I'm not going to do that. Because, again, it's not about me. It's about God. And Paul describes this this experience as one that could be boasted about. But rather, he says here, I choose to boast about my infirmities. If you look up in verse 30 of chapter 11, just a few verses uh, above there, he says, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Paul says here, you know, if I have to glory, if at the end of the day I'm going to praise myself, I'm going to praise myself in my weakness. I'm going to praise myself in my infirmities. But why does Paul say something like that? Why would Paul praise in his shortcomings? Why would Paul praise in his weakness so that he can make God high? You see, when we are made short, God is made high. When we are, when we are abased and we humble ourselves, we exalt God. John 3.30 says, He must increase and I must decrease. The mission of our life should be that of Paul. No matter what experience we go through, whether it be a suffering, a trial, an affliction, like in chapter 11, or whether it be something miraculous, something just out of this world, like chapter 12, that we can praise God for what he's done in our hearts and our lives. As I read through this passage, I was really blown away. I thought, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about uh, or how to, uh, you know, express this message into words. And I really struggled with it. But the more that I studied, the more that I read, um, it, it, it made sense and it clicked. And it's really the summary of Paul's life. And Paul had ups and downs. And Paul, you know, had times where in, verse, or in chapter 12 that he went to heaven uh, And he had times in chapter 11 where he was stoned and left for dead. And those are some highs and lows. Uh, I've never been stoned. I've been hit with a rock before, but I've never been stoned. And so I can imagine how being stoned and left for dead, how painful and excruciating that would be. Uh, And even a, a lot of these things I've never experienced, but I can only imagine the things that Paul went through. But yet the encouragement and, and the, um, the motivation that he had knowing that at the end of the day that it was for the glory of God and that's a testimony that should be of our lives that no matter if we're on the mountaintop or we're in the valley that our humility in God and and our humility in our life circumstances should kick in and we should realize that no matter if we're we're at the depths of the lowest pit or if we're on the highest mountain and pinnacle that we can praise God uh, and give him the glory that he deserves So I want to ask you tonight, are you struggling with your humility? Is it hard for you to be humble in the good things and in the bad things? Do you struggle with trusting in God? Paul Paul said that he doesn't know whether it was an in-body or out-of-body experience, and really there's no need to dwell on the thought there. But he's saying that God knows, and that God was well aware of the situation that he was in. But are we trusting in God like Paul? Are we abiding by his word? Are we living in, in, in uh, obedience to God's word? Paul here was, was trusted with confidence, really, uh, not to speak the things that he had seen. When God gives us a word to obey, are we obeying it? 
Are we doing what he's asked us to do? How about this one? This one was a real kicker for me. Are you praising God in your infirmities? Can I really truly give God praise for the weaknesses and for the shortcomings in my life? For the fact that I've messed up here or I've fallen short here, but you know what? God is there for me and he's got his hand out for me. Or God has saved me from my sin. Whatever it might be, but praising God in our infirmities. There's a lot that we can learn from the life of Paul and uh, it's definitely a joy to read through this passage and, and, and really through this entire book to see the things that Paul went through. But it's also a conviction to say that, am I like Paul? And I'll never be like Paul. Um, I had a hard time writing in high school, so I don't think I could write much less one chapter uh, of, uh, of a letter. But um, I'll never be like Paul. And we shouldn't compare our lives to Paul in that sense, but really to look at our lives, to look at our hearts and say, am I following the things that Paul followed? And Paul, we can see, had these guidelines in his life of humility, of, of um, an acknowledgement of God's omniscience and an authenticity of God's word validating God's word, supporting God's word, uh, no matter if it said to keep quiet or no matter if it said um, to keep enduring or whatever God's word said, whatever God told Paul, Paul obeyed. And are we doing that in our life? If you're not saved today, I encourage you to be saved. Accept that promise of paradise because without it, we can't have a humility. We can't have that attitude that Paul had. Without it, we can't truly understand God's omniscience and his all-knowing and his all-power. And really, if we can't take God at his word for saving us, what makes you think we can take God at his word for anything else? And so I encourage you tonight that if you've never been saved, see me, see pastor, see one of us before you leave. We'd love to share with you from God's word how you can put your faith in it. And like Paul, how you can obey God's word, even in difficult times and even in those good times as well.